Thank you. Uh, yes, I was going to, you know, say who I am, but you've covered it all. That's pretty much my whole life. Uh, you didn't mention Park Run. I like to do Park Run. Come down to West Beach. Any, any Park Runners here? Excellent, excellent. Come and visit us down at West Beach. Um, and uh, Carlos, my uh, brother Carlos ASAP is also here from West Beach. So we come bring our greetings, uh, catch up with some of you, many of you probably know uh, Carlos and uh, just catch up with him afterwards and hear about what God's doing in his life. It's pretty amazing, which I'm pretty excited about. Um, and so, yeah, we're down at West Beach. But my day job is uh, with uh, Crossover, which is a National Baptist ministry, helping Australian Baptists share Jesus. That's our, um, that's our thing. And uh, it's great fun. I love it. I think it's the best job in the world. But there's a weird thing that happens amongst Australian Baptists. When we say sharing Jesus, uh, we, seem, we get a little bit nervous. Uh, telling people good news is, is a good thing. It's a fun thing, isn't it? Uh, and yet some people think, oh, hang on, are we talking about the E word here, evangelism? Uh, and when that comes up, there's something in us for some reason uh, that makes people's hearts sink or people start to try to climb out windows uh, and escape. And I've, I've wondered, you know, what is that uh, about us? What's going on with that? And so um, as part of sort of coming to try to understand that and understand what's going on inside of ourselves, we developed this, uh, this story, a way of climbing into the story of the lost son. And when we, we heard that you're doing this series, what a great thing to do, by the way, to stick with one story of Jesus, one passage, and come back to it again and again over a number of weeks. That's a really great way to go deep. And I hope that uh, today I won't mess it up too much. We'll go, we'll go, a little bit, we'll go deep in one way. We're also going to have a lot of fun uh, if we can. And um, so let's do that. You're very familiar with the story. Uh, as a way of accessing the story in a new way, we're going to climb right inside it. And, you know, this, uh, this family, the older brother, younger brother, there's dad, just suspend judgment for a minute, just as an imaginative exercise. I know what the book of Revelation says about adding to Scripture. So, do you know what I mean? This is, this is an imaginative exercise. Uh, and we're going to climb inside the, sto the story as if we were the middle sister in this family. Is anyone here a middle sister? Hey, we've got quite a few. That's great. So you've already had plenty of experience. So you'll be a natural uh, at this. In this story, we are going to be a good kind of middle sister. May, some of you think that's the only kind. Uh, and um, so there we are. We're the middle sister in this family. And what's happened? Something strange, you know, has happened with Junior. What's going on with him? Turns out that suddenly he's gone and had this big conversation with Dad and he's leaving home. And Dad's given him all this money and he's shot through. And this is not, this doesn't seem good. It doesn't seem right. It's not the way things are meant to be. What is a good middle sister to do? Well, here's the first thing we're going to do. We're going to get on our bike. Streamers coming off the handlebars. Spoky do dokies. Anyone remember spoky dokies on the, uh, on the wheels? And uh, we're going to go riding, you know, uh, up and over hill for a couple of kilometres. We're going to try and catch up with Junior because what's going on? We can't just let this happen. And so, uh, lo and behold, we catch up with him uh, just down the road, well, a couple of kilometres. It's a bit of a ride, but we finally caught up with him. We pull up alongside and we're going to have a little chat with Junior. So what I'm going to invite you to do now is just where you're sitting, you could turn to the person next to you or if you prefer, you could just sit and have a little think about this for a minute and a half 
And there's going to be three questions up on the screen. Um, Ari, we could skip through a couple of... There we are. Oh, back one. Okay, this is the first episode of the story and I want you to consider these three questions. You've only got 90 seconds, so don't, you know, you can, you can dig deeper over lunchtime. What's going on inside of him? What do you reckon you might say to him? And how do you think it would be received? Off you go. You've got 90 seconds. How do we go with that one? Anyone want to yell something out? You don't have to. What do you want to say to him? Now, just we're going to do this exercise in a few different stages. By the way, some of you may be thinking, you know what, I'll just be really kind, I'll just listen, I'll just draw alongside of him, I'll, you know, I'll be really loving. Of course you would. All right? That's good. I want to know what you'd say to him. So, <laughs> what? What's going on? What are you doing? Crazy. What's the matter with you? Some sisters and sisters to brothers can be fairly direct, can't we? Why are you going? Yeah, and we pretty much want to say to, say to him, you know, you think happiness is that way. It's actually this way. You know, your best place, you're deeply loved in the family. You belong with us. What are you doing running away? The, you know, the very best thing you could do right now is a 180 degree turn and come home again. So, um, uh, so perhaps you wanted to say some sort of variation of that. That's great. What do you reckon the chances are that that would go down really well with Junior? How do you think it would be received? What are the odds that Junior's going to say, oh, you know what, you're right, sis. Yeah, well, what got into my head? Oh, let's, let's go home. Who thinks 50-50 chance? None of us think that. Maybe 1% chance? Maybe. We think this is one of those conversations that's kind of doomed. But I want to ask, is it still worth having that conversation? Is it worth riding your bike two kilometres to have a conversation like that that's basically not going to succeed? What do you think? Yeah, people think, yeah. I think, it's, I think it still is. 
even though it's one of the most awkward conversations to have with somebody to say, I know you want to do this. It's probably not what's best. You probably should do something else. And uh, that's just awkward and difficult, isn't it? So, um, you know, but uh, uh, we're going to come back and talk about this little episode uh, a little bit later. Let's skip ahead. So let's pretend now. I want you to sort of erase that from your um, imagination. Imagine that we ride the bike and we ride the bike and we ride and we don't find Junior. So what is a good middle sister to do? She's going to play the long game. She goes back home. She gets a helicopter's license. Uh, she expands her search and she out and about and she finds in this distant city she comes across this sound of a big massive party that's going on. Doof, 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 doof. And she checks it out and there in the middle of this party it's Junior. It's, uh, it's little brother. Isn't that amazing? And so, uh, you know, we'll just do the really cool thing and just sort of sidle up at the DJ's desk um, there, uh, just next to him, and I'm going to give you another 90 seconds to uh, think about or discuss exactly the same three questions. What's going on inside of him? What do you reckon you might say to him? And how do you think it might be received? Off you go. All right, how do we go with that one? So um, it's a fairly loud party that's going on, so the question really is, uh, you know, what's going on inside of him and uh, what would you yell at him over the music? So what's going on inside of him? He's having a great time. Yeah, he's winning. What do they call it, living his best life? Maybe, yeah. What do you reckon you'd like to say to him? What are you doing in this big party? Yeah. Yeah, we miss you. Yeah, come home. What are you long term? Is this going to last? Yeah, that's good. I like it. 
There was, um, I did this with one group and they came back, they said, oh, this is what we'd say. You call this a party? And I thought, oh, that's very clever. In this story, there is a party, isn't there? There's a great party. There's a real party in this story. And there's something about this story that's a bit of a fake party, isn't it? We'll come back and we'll, um, we'll talk about that some more. So we want to say, Junior, I mean, I know you're having a lot of fun, but this is not, still really not the very best place for you. Come home. What do you think the chances are that he's going to say, oh, sis, I've missed you so much. So great to see you. Can I jump in your helicopter and come home with you? Still we're thinking that's pretty, you know, perhaps not quite so likely. Okay, that's all right. Let's, uh, let's wipe that one out of our memory and we'll keep moving forward in this story. Let's say that uh, sister, she thinks the helicopter thing is just a little bit too, th- you know, 20,000 feet. You know, needs to get down to the ground to try and find him. So she gets her uh, Land Rover just, you know, Defender. Is that the, one, the big rugged one that goes, um, let's just say, I'm not a four-wheel driver. Uh, and uh, she gets a Land Rover Defender and she gets out and about to all the back blocks and all the difficult places and she finds this farm that's derelict and run down and in the pigsty sitting in the corner is this terrible figure and she stares at him and thinks, no, it couldn't be, could it? It's Junior, little brother. And she jumps out of her uh, Land Rover and she goes and sits down next to him. And I'm going to give you another 90 seconds to answer these three questions. What's going on inside of him? What do you reckon you might say? And how do you think it might be received? Off you go. All right, this is a bit of a different situation, isn't it? The story's taken its turn, one of its turns. <coughs> What's going on inside of him, do you reckon? This is horrible. Yeah, well put. Life's not good for him. Shame. It's interesting that in the first two episodes we looked at, you might say pride 
is one of the blockers that sort of stops him from coming home. Like, get out of my way, sis. I want to head away. All right, can't you see I'm having a fantastic time? Everything's great. Now, shame is at work. And shame and pride aren't actually opposites. You know, shame can keep you from home, from coming home just as much as pride uh, does. And we'll come back and talk about that in a minute. What do you reckon you might want to say to him? This is hard. What happened? Yeah. What else do you want to say? I told you so. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you really want to say that, don't you? You might not say it, but you want to say it. What is, I mean, often the things that we want to say, I mean, things to be said are not necessarily super clever. You know, if, you, if you're a deeply poetical person, perhaps you can find some amazing words. But there's a gutsy message that we want to say, isn't there? It's, it's kind of obvious. What is it? Come home. You, you can come home. And, um, and Junior might not be expecting that news because from Junior's point of view, he's burnt that bridge. He's spent all his tickets. He's got no credit uh, left. And in some ways, though, you can come home is news. Uh, what are the chances, do you think, that he might respond positively to that? Yeah, maybe 50-50. I mean, it's hard. To, you know, how do we know? But there's a feeling, isn't there, that perhaps there's an increased likelihood? If for no other reason, it's because life is horrible for Junior. Do you know what I mean? Like, he's got that situation. Could, could it be any worse than this? So there's something like that going on. Anyway, let's keep jumping forward. We are going to do another loop around, so we're going to keep moving because we're trying to keep this to sermon length, uh, whatever that is. So uh, let's say that she doesn't find him with her Land Rover, but, uh, but one day she's out and about on her e-scooter uh, just exploring the district and lo and behold, this bedraggled figure is coming down the road towards home and it's Junior after all this time and he's kind of staggering his way towards, uh, towards home and so we're going to zip up to her on an uh, e-scooter and jump off and you know what's coming next? But you're getting, you're, you're getting good at this so I'm going to give you one and a quarter minutes. Uh, what's going on inside of him? Skip that one because I think after three weeks of this story, I think you know what's going on inside of him, what he's hoping for. Uh, that's the 15-second discount. Uh, what do you reckon you might say to him? How do you think it might be received? Off you go.
All right, the murmurs have come down. I have, I've had to set my watch each time because I don't have a strong sense of how much time has passed. It's a, it's a medical condition uh, called being a preacher. Uh, so, how are we going on that one? What do you reckon you want to say to him? He's coming down the road towards home. I'm glad to see you. What a great, what a great phrase. What a, what a wonderful thing to hear. Someone in his exercise said, oh, this is what I'd say. Dad is going to be so mad that I found you first. <laughs> oh, you know, that's really clever. You finally... Yeah, yeah, what took you so long? This, this is great. That you're heading in a good direction. That's great. You know, we know what was going on inside of him, what he's hoping for, just hoping for a better life than being in that starving on that pig farm. And he thought just a bit of an upgrade on that would be good. If I could just be one of the workers on Dad's, you know, Dad's farm, that would be actually so much better. I'd be at least fed properly and treated properly like one of the workers. That's what he's sort of hoping. Uh, he's hoping. The hardest part is going to be what? Trying to get past Dad. So I have this, do you know what I mean, like this really awkward conversation. So he's rehearsing his lines uh, as well. But we've got good news, don't we? It's like, I think the conversation with Dad is going to go better than you think it's going to go. What you're expecting, there's going to be so much more. So you're heading in a good direction. Come on. Uh, come on, you know, jump on the e-scooter. I know it's against the law, but we'll just, you know, uh, the two of us. Come, uh, come home is going to be fantastic. All right, so I'd just like us to do this exercise one more time. I know you're kind of getting in, you know, perhaps the, into the rhythm of it, but there's one more I'd like you to do. And let's imagine another scene in this story where Junior and the father have already met up and had their big embrace and, and Junior's been told, you know, not, you're not going to be one of the workers, you're going to be a member of the family and Junior is coming into the house and he's gone to his bedroom and he's sort of paused in the, in the doorway there and can't quite bring himself to actually really reclaim that room as his own and he's sort of hesitating there and middle sister comes down the corridor surfing on a Roomba <laughs> and uh, she comes across him and he's in this, in this strange state where he just can't quite really uh, you know, take it all on. And let's very quickly, in just one minute this time, do exactly the same act. Uh, I've just told you kind of what's going on in his head. He, he still thinks that maybe the better place, the proper place for him was actually out in the workers' quarters. This still doesn't seem kind of right. So what would you say to him and how do you reckon it might be received? Off you go, one minute.
All right. What do you want to say to Junior in this scenario? It's a bit of a made-up scenario, isn't it? You'll see why a little bit later on. It doesn't actually feature in Jesus' story. But what do you reckon you would say to him? He's kind of hesitating. Any thoughts? Any suggestions? Yeah, you really do belong here. Put your stuff down. Put your, you know, what stuff you've got left. This is your space. Get in there. Absolutely. We want to say something like that uh, as well. And it's a bit strange, isn't it, that somebody would need that uh, kind of encouragement. But the reason that I break up this story into five parts like this is um, because our research about Australian society, about Australians who aren't happily and regularly part of a church family, what do we know about them? We know quite a lot about them from census data, from McCrindle research, from uh, NCLS, there's lots of researchers uh, around and we, we know quite a lot about the way that Australians tick. And remember at the start I said that when we mentioned the E word evangelism that a lot of Christians sort of get stressed out about it and one of the reasons I think is this. I think that many of us think that evangelism is entirely that episode one where we think that if everyone in Australia who's not part of a church is running away from God at 100 miles an hour and evangelism is going up there and kind of trying to get in their way when they really want to brush this aside, they don't want to have the conversation, it's as awkward as anything and absolutely doomed to fail. And I can understand, like if that's what we think that sharing uh, Jesus is like, I can understand because it's not real fun to have awkward conversations like that. Although I did ask you if it's still worth having those sorts of conversations and you thought it was. But our research shows that absolute max, there would be 20% of non-church Australians who could be broadly described as being in that phase. They just want to get away. They're not at all interested uh, in religion. Maybe they grew up in a, uh, in a church and they're just wanting to, to uh, break free. Or maybe in some other way, they are just dead set against uh, anything to do with uh, Christianity and we love them. We see them heading in a direction that's not towards their happiness and we want to try and have some sort of conversation uh, with them and it's just incredibly awkward. You may know some people that are in that phase. Pray for them. And it is a good thing to have a conversation with them as you can. Uh, one practical tip would perhaps be that in this phase, people are, who are in that sort of situation, briefer might, conversations might be better than longer conversations. There's something in us as good middle sister, Junior's heading away from home and we know that every step further away from home is actually further away from what's best and right for him. So there's an instinct in us that what we want to do is jump in front of him and like interview him for as long as we possibly can. Uh, come up with another thought, another argument, another question uh, as well because if we can't convince him to go home then maybe at least we can slow him down a little bit. Does that make sense? I can understand that instinct but the, a certain dynamic builds up when we are doing that and we become more and more and more irritating to Junior. And here's this weird and scandalous part of the whole story is that when Junior goes to Dad and says, I want out of the family, give me my share of the inheritance, wouldn't you think that Dad would have pressed the big red button on his desk 
that makes, you hear this dull sound and it's the fences that come up out of the ground surrounding the whole, turns out this farm is a compound and it's like, sure son, good luck trying, how are you going to get out of this one? No, no, he doesn't. And it's not in the nature of God or the nature of his farm, his kingdom to be like that with us and this is part of the good news. And so it's not our job to act like that barrier, that fence uh, uh, with, with people. And as heart-rending as it is, do you know what I mean? Like that's not the way that the whole story sort of ends well. So what can we say? If we have a brief conversation, we want to say, you know, I don't think, I'm not sure this is going to end well for you. Tell people that they're always welcome to come back home. Sometimes Junior thinks, I've done that. I've locked the door with, um, with Dad. And the assumption is, because of reciprocity, that if I've locked the door from Dad, then Dad's also locked the door from me. And the message we want to drop in people's minds is, that's not true. The door is open from, uh, from this side. You are welcome to uh, come back. If you ever come to your senses, come home. One other thing that we can say is, not me. So sometimes in this group exercise, middle sister comes up and I say, what would you say to him? And people say, can I come too? I think, uh, yeah, that's funny. <laughs> Probably not quite uh, so, uh, so helpful. And if happiness lies this way and Junior's going that way, one of the things we can simply say is not me. I mean, as for me, I'm inc- you know, there's nothing better, nothing beats the love of the Father and belonging in his family as well. I'm staying, I'm staying put. When you come to your senses, come home. Does that make sense? Brief is, everyone's different. We... Uh, we we seek the prompting of God's spirit to help us know what to say at the, the best time. But it, even though those conversations are really difficult and, and very unlikely to have immediate effect, they can very much have effect later on because you can drop an idea in his mind that later on uh, he may well remember. And that's that many people who have come to faith in, in Christ after being a long way from God I've got a story about somebody said something to me when I was young and, and at the time I punched them in the nose but it always stuck with me. So that's a great thing to do. What about in the second episode? I reckon, we reckon that maybe 20% of Australians, non-church Australians, are in a, in a phase that could simply be described as winning. Life is going fantastic. Their family's going great. Their, uh, their work is going great. Their small business, their... Um, the holiday home that they're uh, buying is great. Their share portfolio is going well. They've got plenty of super in the back. They've just come back from their overseas holiday and they are doing really, really well. I wonder if you know some people in that phase of life who are kind of just winning and when you begin to talk with them about Christianity, about belonging to the kingdom of God, they're like, why would I need that? And that's another awkward conversation, uh, isn't it? You sort of think, ah. Oh. And, you know, we can almost be jealous of somebody who seems to be like that. But that kind of winning apart from the kingdom of God is doomed and it is empty. And some of the suggestions we had. What's the long-term plan uh, that you've got here? Often there's two things that can be going on in someone's mind and someone's heart at the same time. Enjoying the party and thinking, this is great, look how many friends I've got. And also at the same time having this nagging anxiety that this can't last. What's really going on? Why aren't I as happy? I should be happy because I'm one of the richest people that's around. I'm so popular. Why is there this emptiness that is on, going on inside of me? Because it's a strange thing. I don't know whether you explored it in the weeks so far, but Junior did something to his dad 
He treated him like an ATM. For those young people, ATMs are these, uh, you know, machines built into the walls where you get cash out, right? And that's a very dehumanizing thing to just say to dad, I wish you were dead. Just give me my share of the inheritance now. I just want the money. Isn't that a terrible thing to do? And isn't it strange that in this party scene, all the people that are around Junior are basically doing the same thing to him. They are there for what they can get out of him. Uh, they want him to provide the party, to provide all the this, this stuff. And we know that when the money dries up, the friends disappear as well. So the same thing, same dehumanising thing is being made, uh, is being done to him. So if you know somebody is in that stage of life, uh, here's a little quick practical tip as well. Perhaps it's not, you know, don't ask them about how life is going because you'll get the, everything's going great, everything's amazing. Zoom in on them as a person. How are you going? How's life for you? You're important. Other people around them are just using them like a, uh, you know, and it be often surprising for somebody who's in that stage of life to be treated as a human. And if they've got this underlying emptiness or hurts and those sorts of things are more likely to come out in that situation. Have pity on people who are just winning in life. Remember the rich young ruler that Jesus came across? Everything is going great. He's young. That sounds great to me. He's rich. Fantastic. He's a ruler. He's got lots of people under him. What could possibly be better? And it says Jesus looked at him with compassion and loved him and said, one thing you lack. Jesus talked about his lack, not about how much stuff that uh, he had. And God loves people in that situation. Often so much of the stuff is just covering up for an emptiness that is inside. So see those people with compassion. In the third uh, episode, we looked at the, uh, the pigsty. And friends, easily 20% of Australians could be described broadly as being in that phase of the story. Life is very, very difficult for them. And they find themselves trapped in cycles of poverty, addiction, family violence, generational unemployment, all kinds of difficulties and things that they've got don't have power over themselves. Friends, the people uh, who are in that situation are not in that situation because it is what they are philosophically committed to. They haven't sat down and thought, what is life all about? And read all the philosophers and decided, you know what I think life is all about? I think it's all about pig farming. Yeah, that's what I really want to do. That's where I really want to go. They're not there because that's where they want to go. They're there because that's where life has buffeted them too. And it's extremely difficult because it's uh, usually um, not within their power to just up and go somewhere else. What we talked about before, Junior's just at that stage has spent all his tickets and feels like he's got nowhere else to go. The, uh, The Sunday school movement some of you might be old enough to remember the Sunday school movement or have heard about it. One of the, one of the, what a church would do is like hire a bus or buy a bus or something like that. They'd go around to the whole neighbourhood, knock on doors and basically say to people, to, you know, you want to send your kids to our children's church, to our kids club? Why do churches do that? Essentially because, you know, there's a lot of the people, we're going to say 20% of Australians are just in this awful space 
Some of it, they are there because of some of their own choices. Some of it are there because of choices of other people that have brought them to that space. And some kids are just born into that situation. And it's not their fault. And one of the reasons churches have gone around and knocked on doors and said, send your kids, you're welcome to, <laughs> to come along. But would your kids like to come out there? It's from a compassion for kids to know the love of God and to find a better life uh, in him. And there's many Aussies around the place that have got a story that is linked right back uh, to, something like, uh, to something like that. If you know somebody who's in that stage of uh, that situation in life, it's not like an, it's an easy conversation either just to say, just jump in the Land Rover and we'll just take you home. Be very gentle uh, with people. Treat them with lots of dignity and respect. And... Above all, perhaps, help them to know that they are very, very important in God's eyes. A friend of mine, a, a pastor, uh, when I was pastor at Glen Osmond, we had a Korean congregation that was there, and Pastor Park, when I first met him, he gave me his business card. I had all the little details on the back, and on the front of his business card in big letters, it just said this, you are very important to God. And I was a pastor, and that kind of really struck me. And uh, hit me. I'm very important to God. This is an uh, underlying thing. People who feel like they are on the periphery, they're left out, they're overlooked. Some people think 20% of Australians are in that kind of difficulty. They're often less visible. Uh, but there's an awful uh, lot of them and the love of God, uh, uh, praise the Lord, is, um, is very genuine. This is what Jesus went to the cross for. To release people. Often our evangelism, we tell people about making better choices and all that sort of stuff. People who are absolutely stuck. Uh, there is an aspect of the gospel that Jesus is just a rescuer who does for us what we can't do for ourselves. And that is very good news for people. It's also good news for people caught in shame to realise that everyone who is a Christian is only in the family of God because they have been rescued by God who has done for them what they can't do for themselves. What about in the fourth episode there? Uh, Junior's coming down, uh, down the road towards home. If you think that evangelism is just episode one, then we've got a script. We know that we need to say to people, you know what, the script is something like this, you need to repent, you need to make a 180 degree turn uh, and go back the other way. Actually, if somebody is coming down the road towards home, we don't want to tell them that they need to turn around and go back the other way, do we? We want to say heading a good direction. Friends, there are easily 20% of non-church Australians who are actively on the front foot towards Christianity. Uh, they are seeking, actively seeking. They are extremely open to being invited to church. Uh, this is a huge number of uh, Australians and they're seeking a better life. They've been in the pigsty and often what they are hoping for when they're very open to coming to church, a bit like Junior uh, was, uh, they're not really often thinking about full reconciliation with the Father. They're thinking, oh, maybe the life could be a 10% upgrade. If I got involved in the church, maybe that might be good for my mental health. Maybe I might make a few friends. Maybe I'd be a little less lonely. And praise the Lord, that's some of the side benefits of belonging in the family of God, isn't it? That's great. It's not like those things aren't important as well. But there's so much more. If you find yourself wrapped up in the embrace of the Father, uh, he puts a ring on your finger, reclothes you and says, you're a part of the, the family. This is amazing. So when we've got people in that situation, uh, 
we churches want to be in a space to say, "Come, welcome home, come and find your place in there. And my advice, my practical advice, if you know somebody who's in that phase of mind, we want to encourage them in their searching, by all means come and just don't bypass the conversation with the Father. Come and meet, encourage them to meet the Father. Sometimes someone's, they want to get involved in church and they're like, oh, I'm not sure about the whole, you know, I don't think I could ever be one of you guys, you know, really involved. In that. Or just sitting around the fringes because I just think that, you know, uh, I want a little bit of a community and I want, you know, a little bit of this. And uh, encourage them that, you know, step into the throne room. Don't be afraid. It's an amazing place for you. And finally, our research shows us that there is like 20% of non-church Australians, by which we're talking millions of people, already call themselves Christian and can't find their place in a church family. Isn't that remarkable? We want to, there is, there is all five of these areas, there are conversations which are evangelism. What do we want to say to people that uh, they, they believe that uh, Jesus died and rose again? They believe that Jesus died for their sins. They've been like mentally, uh, theologically, they tick the box. For every Baptist that's in church on Sunday, there's two more people in the census call themselves Baptists, let alone Christian. Baptists who aren't connected with, uh, uh, with a church. So how do we help those people? How do you have a conversation with someone who still can't quite bring themselves to, uh, to fit in? And let me just give you a very, a very one sort of idea. That, uh, to, to, how do we help Junior to really claim his space? I actually think it's a bit counterintuitive. Because if we have a long conversation with him, just to say, no, Junior, this is your bedroom. Yes, you really can have this sort of stuff. I think some people get locked in that phase, spend their whole life trying to figure out, does God really love me? Do I, am I really accepted? Are my sins really forgiven? And then the more we have conversations around that sort of stuff, it goes round and round again. And I think one of the things that helps, people, helps Junior to get into his uh, bedroom is actually to talk about something else and to say, Junior, there's work to be done here on this farm. Come and get involved in it. Chuck your stuff down in that room. Come and start to participate in the life of the, uh, the family because there's things to be done. You know, in Isaiah chapter 6, he has this uh, uh, vision of God and Isaiah freaks out because I, I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips and I've seen the holy God and I'm smoke, I'm gone, I'm dead. And the angel comes and, and touches his lips and says, see, your sins have been atoned for. And, and there's this wrestle like, no, Isaiah, you actually can be right here in the throne room. And the very next thing that happens is the voice comes from the throne saying, whom shall I send? Who will go on my behalf? And the whole conversation switches from, in Isaiah's mind from, do I really belong? Am I really accepted? Am I forgiven? Can I be here? Am I doomed? It's all about me. It's like, what is God wanting to do in the world tomorrow? So friends, if you uh, fly on an airline, they'll tell you that uh, if oxygen masks fall from the ceiling, what are you meant to do? What do you do? Fit your own mask first and then you can help other people as well. I think some people, sometimes the oxygen mask falls from the ceiling and we look at it and we go, oh, look, this is a DX3000. 
We go, ah, oh, this, this soap was manufactured in, in Belgium, which is a really interesting thing because in the development of the whole sort of, you know, uh, thing, and I wonder actually, this one can actually, mask can actually fit upside down. Did you know, you know? And, and, and while you're figuring this all out, the kids sitting either side of you are, you know, dying uh, because you spend the whole time, do you know what I mean? There's, you want to say to people, don't spend your whole life figuring out whether you're in with God, out with God. You can be reconciled with the Heavenly Father today, right now. Isn't that scandalous? We don't have to serve a long apprenticeship in the servants' quarters. The Heavenly Father wants to wrap us up in his love, put a ring on his finger and say, you are mine, your sin is completely dealt with, and now in the family of God, we've got things to get on with because there's kids either side of us who are gasping for air, whack your mask on, and then let's help others. Shall we pray together? Heavenly Father, just to be able to open a prayer with these words, Heavenly Father, because of the truth of this amazing story that Jesus has told. We've been over it again and again and again, but, oh, Father, please help it never to get old and rusty in our hearts. The wonder that we can belong to you, be completely forgiven, and fully take our part in your family. Help us to uh, come to terms with that in our own hearts and minds and to continue to walk deeper and deeper into it. But help us too, Heavenly Father, to be that good middle sister as individuals and as a church family to share the good news to others who are going through this story and need to find their place back in your family. Lord, for the people that we know who are painfully going through parts of that story, we lift them before you now. And we put our hand up to say, here am I, send me to be the carriers and bearers of your incredible, wonderful good news. We pray this for their sake and for your glory in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Thank you so much.